0: Well, look who we have here, ladies and gentlemen. Ethan Reed, the dream visitor, the Guardian, Baldur's Gate 3. How are you, brother?
1: Hello, Dan. Yeah, I'm good. I'm good. I'm raring to uh, to have a chat about the game and all things gaming.
0: Hey, I know you grew up a game, a bit of Halo, a bit of Xbox.
1: Which, what, Halo 3? So I got an Xbox as Halo 3 was kind of on its way out. And my mate who convinced me to get one, I was one of those kids that got like, I wouldn't say tricked, but I've got a Wii um, expecting like shooters, which is obviously the <laughs> one. So, like, Far Cry on the Wii, I think was one of my first games. And I was like, get, get, I was thoroughly disappointed. Um, but you could actually throw the grenade with the nunchuck. So that kind of had me sold. But is then, that uh, World at
0: War, Call of Duty or not?
1: What, so anything that came out on the Wii, I think the grenade was the number. Oh, okay.
0: It didn't matter what game it was. No. Yeah. They, all
1: but um but then my friend convinced me to get an Xbox 360 and Halo 3, and I played that campaign on co op, and that was like my first experience of a of a kind of a big AAA game. And obviously the Halo 3 campaign is unbelievable.
0: Did you beat it on the hardest difficulty? no
1: no, <laughs> no 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 i was like i think i must have been like 13 14 i be, you know i could barely hold the controller right way around um, i since tried to go back and i think i completed reach on the hardest difficulty oh. cuz when reach came out, that was it do you know what i mean when yeah. i was in when i uh, kind of school i guess high school in australia but here we call it secondary school yeah um, uh, my f- best mate uh, picked up guitar and by the end of school was grade eight at guitar. And I got really good at Halo.
0: <laughs> hey, but you're, you're a musician too. Don't get me wrong.
1: Yeah, yeah. I've caught up since. You've caught up since. Yeah. And he's still rubbish at Halo. So, <laughs> so you got him. real winner. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you're in a band, yeah? Yes, yeah. I'm in one band in London and I'm starting another one soon. Ah, oh, so you're a band whore. Sorry, but
0: my language.
1: Hey, look, hey, look. If you want to make money from art, you have to diversify your portfolio. Okay. <laughs> if my if the landlord wants is gonna get his rent, I've got to get it from everywhere. Yeah,
0: yeah. So what do you do? What are you? Your guitar,
1: bass? So I I play a bit of everything. I play everything okay. with strings you hold sideways. So guitar, banjo, mandolin, ukulele, bass, oh wow, all that stuff. Um and a little bit of piano. I'm, try- I'm trying to learn the trumpet, but it's so hard. Um, but in the band I'm in, work do, uh, I play bass and I sing. And in the band I'm starting, I am playing lead guitar and, and front manning it.
0: Oh, he's going out on his own. The front man. Yeah. yeah.
1: Well, <laughs> we- I was just write- I was writing all these angry songs, all these big kind of punk <laughs> tunes, and I was taking them to the band. And it just oh. wasn't... Wasn't vibing. Well, it was was more like I realized that kind of that the project work do is the amalgamation of the four musicians in it. It's it's a kind of our common denominator, whereas you know it's no individual's piece in that band, which is a beautiful thing, a true collaboration. Um, and I love that band, and I'm going to see it all the way through, but I've also got my own little madness that I want to. Kind of put onto an audience. <laughs> what's, so,
0: what's the style of music again? Punk rock, did you say?
1: So, what work do is kind of floating between Radiohead and Idols. So, it's kind of going between this like psychedelic indie, um, all the way through to kind of like, uh, neo punk. Whereas the other project that I'm starting is, it, it's kind of like indie punk. It's very. It, I, I don't hear the indie in it, but everyone I show it, it's like, it's very indie. <laughs> but I'm too busy, like, screaming at the front to really hear what anyone else is playing.
0: <laughs> That's amazing, man. you got to go after your passions, don't you, in this life?
1: Yeah, well, I, as, all the money I make from acting, um, I try and save and reinvest into either trying to get a play I've written off the ground or trying and get into the studio with the band's um, I try and make it that all the money I make, kind of from my muggle job, working at the pub, I try and make that money that pays the rent and pays the food, and all of the art money goes back into art. Um,
0: so, do you are you yeah. someone that at the start of this year you've written down goals, or you play it?
1: Oh, yeah. you are. Yeah, big goals, big dreams. Um, I've got a to-do list which is intimidating. What is it? Can you give us a sneak peek into it? What it looks like? I can. I can. So a huge part of it is to learn how to use TikTok. Ah, oh, yeah, <laughs> and, nice. Try and market. Um, because I've joined Fraser on his stream where we're playing D and D, and there's all this amazing content coming out of it. And I've never, I can't, I just the platform that Baldur's Gate has been has been unbelievable. Um, it was such an such a surprise to be honest because I had no idea. A what the game was when I got the job, they didn't tell me until day one, um, and then I had no idea how big it was going to be because when I went home and looked it up, it was an early access game, being made by some people that made Divinity, and Divinity was pretty popular, but it kind of wasn't a, um, you know, my my. Wasn't didn't mainstream,
0: know. wasn't phenomenon like this, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. It wasn't like a cultural m- moment in gaming, so I obviously did my best with Border Gate, had loads of fun. Kept bumping into this guy that looked really familiar on the stairs. And I was like, I recognise that guy. Turned out to be Neil. Um, Neil Newborn. Yeah, because I was playing, yeah, I was playing um, Detroit at the time. You're kidding. With my, with kidding. my partner. And she was like, we've got to this bit. And I was like, that guy looks really familiar. And my partner was like, you've not met him. That's Neil Newborn. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, hang on a minute. Like I kind of... kind of went back to... Uh... When I got to the studio, and I think on my first day, uh, I bumped into him and said hello to him and kind of didn't realize who he was. Lovely guy.
0: He's gone all right the awards season, hasn't he? Yeah.
1: <laughs> it's beautiful to see, kind of. It's beautiful to see. He, he's done a lot of work in the industry. And it's amazing to see someone get their flowers, you know.
0: Do you see yourself um, doing more in the gaming world? Is that one of your passions?
1: hugely hugely when i was growing up a massive part of m- my experience of media and storytelling was through games you know mm-hmm. like even because i'm quite a political person uh oh yeah 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 very um i keep most of it to myself unless i'm actually kind of doing something of use like if i'm going to a rally or a protest or something but yeah. games were like a big part of my introduction to that conversation like games like fallout new vegas Growing up playing that and oh, having what to make a game.
0: What yeah. a game.
1: Um ah. having to make those moral decisions and seeing, you know, like the evil in Caesars Legion, but then knowing that the NCR like was wasn't much better. Like it was, it was an amazing uh landscape to put like a young brain into and to grow up in. And then as I got older, getting games like Disco Elysium and
0: I haven't played you know, that. Is it good? I've heard great things.
1: Man, it is I know. unreal. Yeah. It's yeah. so good. And don't get me wrong, like, there are, there are some elements of it, like some of the, some of it isn't, like, super smooth. But yeah. It was, like, the first ever game. I think they were an art collective. You can give and them and some slack. Yeah. Game. yeah, it was unreal. <laughs> and the, yeah. the world they've created and the characters they've made are some of the most compelling I've ever sat, sat into.
0: So I'm guessing those two are your favourites of all time?
1: They're pretty up there. They're pretty yeah. up there. You also love LA Noir. Really? Yeah. But I have some beef with the ending. Um, oh, uh,
0: really? Didn't like it.
1: The ending. <laughs> no, it kinda of, it like it went from a ten out of ten to like a seven and a half and eight. Oh no. It, yeah, because oh, God, oh mate. Have you played it?
0: Yeah, I have. I have.
1: I thought the, the story was incredible. You go through the first half and every case is kind of separate and then mm. slowly the case is all, you kind of, you clock the conspiracy before Phelps does and then it turns out it's relating to Phelps's past and then it is all coming to a head and it's really, I'm getting goosebumps, it's, it all <laughs> comes to a head in a really organic way um, and then it just kind of just cuts off and, and just cuts off and leaves you and I, I do appreciate kind of The ending kind of talking about how, like, you know, the bad guy tends to win in a world run by money. But it wasn't satisfactory, was it, as a player? Yeah. There's a way of doing that and Mm. giving you
0: clues. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. It kind of reminds me of a movie I watched recently. I don't know if you've seen it. An amazing film. I think it was called Memories of a Murder by Bong Zhong ho who did Parasite.
1: Yes, yes, yes. And then they never catch the killer.
0: Yes. The killer is you kind of thing, you
1: know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry for the spoilers, um, you guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's your fault. You haven't watched it already. Do you know what I mean? You can't spoil The Lord of the Rings. You can't spoil Memories of a Murder. Um,
0: Yeah.
1: The Lord of the Rings. You have to see it. So
0: you had a, correct me if I'm wrong, you had an addiction to painting models during covid warhammer and that sort of stuff
1: oh yeah when i was 10 or 11 um my parents i think like a, an un, like a, a family relative of mine was into it and my parents knew i was creative uh, that's a, a, a light way of putting eccentric i suppose um <laughs> and so they were like we need to put, channel some of this energy he's got and so they took me to a warhammer shop uh, bought a box of space marines because they looked the coolest um, and also they looked by far the easiest to paint um, <laughs> took those home made those kind of got into it a little bit but never was playing the game which is what I wanted to do but none of my mates were into it and then in COVID I suddenly realised I had all this unmade kit and so I got it out and I had mm. all this fantasy stuff and I'll I, I tell you Dan I might have made some money and it all went, <laughs> it all went on Warhammer. It's just so fun. I would I would paint the models, and then I, I, so I used to run <laughs> D games, and I would use them as my D and D characters.
0: Oh, nice.
1: Yeah, and the whole my whole world I'd built for the players was that the end result was going to be a big battle. So then the people they'd met would actually be on the table and fighting in a Warhammer battle. Good idea. Yeah. Brand DD and d Did they buy into it? Uh, no, I think everyone died before we got there. <laughs> um, I have a real problem with the DM. I kill my players very quickly.
0: Didn't you have a villain that you created that you built up and then all of a sudden he was a dud?
1: Yeah, I had this guy. I had this um, this model. Like It was in this world where humanity had invented gunpowder and conquered the orcs, the trolls, the goblins, and you as the players were kind of leading a little revolution, and that was going to be the battle. And the antagonist <laughs> throughout the whole thing was the leader of the human militia, who was the guy. He had like a pipe, and he would like enter the room ominously, playing music, and you'd be all spooked out. Yeah, he ca- he came in and immediately rolled two ones, <laughs> um, and, and his pistol like exploded and blinded him. And, uh, and what's your reaction
0: that, to that? You just laugh and just go oh, fuck.
1: Uh, if it wasn't for the fact that I'd given him like the, and in comes, the door creeps open, a <laughs> gusted wind comes in and pricks up your ears, and everyone was like, yeah. And then a guy comes in and blinds himself immediately, and, and then it's like on the floor screaming, and then they kind of spared him out of pity. And I was like, I can't have him come back and be the big bad.
0: So what's that like when you're a, a D&D aficionado, and then you come into the world of Baldur's Gate 3? That must be a real treat.
1: That was nuts, um, especially because my main pleasure I took from Baldur's Gate was it reconnected me with my, some of my friends I used to play D&D with because all of my friends back home, uh, so I left my hometown to come to central London. We're just on the suburb of London. I came into the city to go to drama school and yeah. try to make a go of it. And I kind of lost contact because I just got so busy and we used to play D&D. And so this game comes out and they're all playing it. And I get a text from a mate being like, hang on a minute. Are you in this? I was like, uh, yeah. And then he sends me a picture. Now, you can't see on the screen. I'm six foot six. I'm quite a big guy. He made me a gnome. Or a little halfling. So he he had my voice coming out a halfling. And, um, <laughs> and it kind of like brought me and my mates back into that same world of talking about it. And it was, I feel... You know, I'm so grateful for that because, it kind of, re- reminded me of my appreciation of those friends.
0: So you haven't played it yet, but what are you going to create? You're obviously going to go male dream visitor, but then yeah,
1: I want to see what I sound what like. What are you?
0: What are you going to look like? What's the canon look for you that we so, should all be creating?
1: The, yeah, well, here's the thing, right? We could go really vain Um because <laughs> I, I think the elephant in the room is that when someone makes their guardian, is everyone is making like. Peak of their, let's say, um, tantalised desire Sexual
0: fantasies. Yeah.
1: There we go. Yeah, yeah. Well done. Uh, so mine wasn't
0: um, though. Mine was a freaking ugly orc. So I went down the wrong road.
1: Yeah. Hey, and uh, my voice probably fit it perfectly. Uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, so I I could go down that route, or I just think it would be hilarious. I want to make like the twin of my main character. So they're like... That's a good idea. Identical. I like and that. And it's kind of like uh, a reflection of that. Um, I don't know. though. I might just make something hideous. <laughs> you know what I mean? I think I'm kind of willing to go at it the same way I play D&D, which is just cause as much chaos as I can.
0: So what direction did they give you? Because I know I, I spoke to Deanna and she was talking about how she had to match your voice uh, for half the time and then you had to v- match her voice. So yeah, that like? yeah,
1: that was nuts because I think I got in the studio before her. So I did like a month or a month and a half of recording without doing that. And I thought I was going to have a breeze. <laughs> like, they sent me all my material. I did the job. Uh, so I did the audition and I'd learnt my lines. And the guy running my audition went, it's really impressive you learnt your lines. And I was like, what? That, w- what's my job? <laughs> if it's not to learn the lines. So it turns out the way that they were doing all this game was there's a monitor in front of you which has got your text on it and it's got the image of your little mocap skeleton which they turn into a Power Ranger. Um, And so I I was in there just recording like that, reading off the monitor, having a blast. Um, (laughs) And then all of a sudden I come in one day and they go, right, we're flipping the script on you now. You've also got to follow the waveform of diane's text and delivery so you didn't have to match i didn't have to match her choices and her like intention and the emotion and the volume but i had to start and finish at the same time and if there were any big beats i had to match them and so the way you did that you had one eye on the text and one eye on the waveform <laughs> so you were kind of mirroring along with both whilst acting whilst remembering to. Plant your feet in one place, and you had to. You could do anything. You had to end it where you started, so that the character didn't like snap back. So it
0: became position. very technical for you, or were you able to still? Um, because the performance was absolutely fantastic. I mean, oh, thank you. No, seriously, uh, it was incredible.
1: Yeah, it became very technical, uh, but I I can appreciate that kind of way of working. I enjoy kind of the parameters that a technical environment sets because it gives you a framework to play within. If a director says, do whatever you want, it's kind of scary as an actor because you've got no idea what they're looking for. Mm-hmm. And they might be looking for you, which is then it, then it would work. But unfortunately that's quite rare that they're just looking for you because you're playing a role. So having the framework, you know, I, I kind of rolled with it. So I was like, okay, I have to stay quite static um, I'm playing someone probably slightly older than myself so I kind of allowed this kind of yeah. like tension to enter the physique and this rigidity to kind of carry through and then I kind of used characters of points of reference um that I'd seen the world so the, the the limitation I found quite freeing because then instead of having an infinite amount of choices for a line I could see four so then I would do four takes and give them my four ideas.
0: It's a fascinating thing. Have, what did you think of the reveal scene when, when there's that, um, you know, we reveal the true identity?
1: I thought it was mad, yeah. Because you didn't I, know
0: I, the plot, by the way. People don't know. You didn't really know the plot. You were kind of discovering you, it as you went
1: on? Yeah, so we had a talk. At the, well, all the scenes are filmed out of order and some of the scenes were filmed across different days Um. Which leads to a, a a crazy thing in my brain when I so I've lo- I've watched some clips of it to make sure that I was still in it and I wasn't <laughs> on the cut room floor, but um, I watched some and I heard a sentence where well, the first half of the sentence and the second half were recorded about three months apart, and well, you could tell that you could remember, I, I, yeah, I could tell that because I had like this horrible double déjà vu, of, of knowing that I was myself in like two completely different places when recording those lines. But um, because, you know, the words coming out of my mouth, I kind of shot back into that memory like it was a photo. Very strange. But, um, so yeah, uh, I didn't know the nuance of the plot, but they did, they, they were merciful enough to um, tell me who I was. And they basically wanted to lead like a breadcrumb trail because obviously, the dream visitor, the guardian is is hiding something. And the best thing for an actor to do if they want to play a convincing liar is to not play a liar, it's to play someone that's telling the truth. And then it's so that's to, the number
0: one thing in your mind. I'm playing this like everything. Yeah,
1: I'm not yeah. a good guy. I definitely am. <laughs> um, just the, the, the script later says that I'm not. Um, so you
0: block it out in your mind? Or, you yeah. know what I mean?
1: You, you can as an actor if you're playing someone lying you have to make the choice of how successful am i and if you want to actually trick the person you're talking to then you play the truth if you then it then gets well you can either then play that they don't believe you and you're playing a liar it only gets really complicated if you need to convince the character but the audience knows you're lying that gets that gets a bit and you've done that before i've done that in theater um oh and that, yes it's a bit easier in theatre because you can just <laughs> you can shoot a look, <laughs> but um, not in like naturalism, which I've done uh, quite a lot of in theatre. No, in Baldur's Gate, I knew that I had a secret, and so what I decided to do is on in my first session, I kind of had brought points of reference, and so I decided to use Aragorn. So Aragorn is—I was like—I need someone older than me, someone who carries a sense of uh, like masculine wisdom someone who would fight for you but isn't it's not about the flashy sword it's about reaching back and uplifting you um and it's aragorn he's you know he's a young king that's like his whole thing in in both senses um so i kind of lent on that and i was like all right i'm going to do in in the broadest sense my way in each morning of recording was it's my aragorn and that was my channel and then the text helps you go the other half of the way
0: so that was your inspiration? I was going to ask. Vigo Morton, I mean, Vigo's a fucking, he's, talk about an actor. Jeez. He's proper. Yeah, no,
1: he's proper. <laughs> really, really. What a- and he very well about his craft.
0: Now, uh, these uh, comments are very interesting, but I just want your reaction to some of these comments about your work. His voice immediately made me fall in love with him. I cannot tell you how this man's voice made me feel. Such an elegant and handsome voice, it makes my knees weak. (laughs) One of the best voices I've ever heard. Is having a crush on a voice possible? Because I have one on this voice, no question.
1: That's beautiful. (laughs) What are your thoughts
0: on that? Oh, I had to read some of those out here. They get progressively more... Oh, yeah. I, I have
1: been sent some of the uh, <laughs> some of the more extreme ones by my friends. Oh, okay. Uh, so you've seen a friend of mine found a certain Reddit page uh, and sent it to me. Oh, and, no. Um, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Were yeah, you
0: aware yeah. of that sort of stuff before this project?
1: No. 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 I was aware of, I, I knew about Reddit, I knew I'd been on the, the, the big internet. Um, I just kind of wasn't myself on it and wasn't that's not where I kind of talked about games I I was lucky my community of gamers was kind of my friendship group um so I wasn't in the kind of online community I had no idea that Baldur's Gate would garner this kind of chatter online and I especially had no idea that any of it would be kind of laden at my feet but the comments like that I, I, I never thought in a million years um I'd have such a positive feedback from from people that enjoyed the work and i I think it's so funny because it's so it's so not like the guardian's voice is only like two steps removed from my voice but you'd never i don't think you'd hear it in my voice hold on if i close
0: my eyes could you just bring him out for a
1: second yeah yeah dan listen if we can go on this journey together I'm sure there's a way through.
0: Damn, man. i got shivers. Like <laughs> <laughs> I'm That's the good fair. guy, Dan. <laughs> <laughs> did you
1: workshop that at all? Or did, was that from the start? It was from the start. Like when wow. it mainly came from the posture and the audition I'd done. <laughs> this is so funny. <laughs> I, I say this, I say this to all my friends that are actors, and I don't think anyone believes me. But when you do an audition for something, don't do the audition they want, do the audition you want to do. So I got a tape through for uh, a video game and the text was "Um, blah, blah, blah. We can, I need you to fight with me. Hang on a minute, they're on their way. Don't worry, I'll be back. There's a bit of, and it's from, I think it ends up in the game, but with a bunch of the names changed. So it's like three lines. And I was um, in a studio at the time rehearsing for something. And so I took a, a stick and I ran into frame, fought some invisible pictures, <laughs> gave my first line, killed another one, gave my second line, executed the one that I'd just beaten, gave my final line and left.
0: Man, I'm hiring you on the spot. Yeah, Honestly, well, that's a great
1: I, idea. Because I was like, I don't know what kind of mocap this is going to be. If it's going to be like properly in the volume, I want them to know that I've done a bunch of stage combat and that I can fling a sword around and that I'm physical um and that really kind of kind of doing all of that really helped with getting into the character and if I'm thinking like because I gave a really vague description of the character because they wanted didn't want you to figure out what it was so there's like a picture of Geralt and a picture of some really witchery stuff oh wow. and it was like yeah you're you're a knight you're the honorable you're the kind of the wise teacher and so this older voice this chunkier voice kind of came out um, and then on the, in the first session, they, um, they played me back my audition tape and my recall tape and they basically went, that's what we want. And it was this like lower, huskier. It also helps that the microphone is there. The microphone's on your forehead. So yeah. you, you only have to speak at this volume and all of a sudden there's the voice because it's only going to there.
0: Does it, would it be a different... Would it sound different if, the, if it was here versus yeah, here?
1: Yeah, yeah. So because I've got quite a, a resonant tone, um, that all comes from my chest. So if the microphone was here, you'd get way more gravel and way more sounds like this. Whereas up here, that's your higher resonance. So when you hear someone singing in a really high register, that's a reverberation kind of behind their nose. That's where it comes out of, up here. So you're actually hearing the higher end of my voice in the game, even though I'm, I sound like I'm a tractor engine.
0: <laughs> well, you've got the perfect performance uh, or gravitas for a Warhammer game. I mean, you just get to oh. give them a call. Half your co-stars Mate. are in Warhammer games.
1: Mate, I know, right? <laughs> I, I, so I, I've emailed um, a big to-do list for me is to kind of get proactive with what I want to be cast in. Nice. Um, I'm a big believer in <clears throat> anyone that works in casting. They really want to find the actor and the the audition process is a real pain in the ass. So if I can write my own tape, send it in, if I can preempt any of that, I'm sure that someone looking for the actor is going to go, Oh, thank God. This bloke's this bloke's found me. Thank goodness. So hopefully I can I can do that. And also showing your keen, showing your, that's your work ethic. That's who I'd want to work with. I've put on productions and cast before, and it's the people that want to talk about it outside the room. It's the people that they just want to turn up and be there. That's the energy you want.
0: And you're a writer too, aren't you?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Have you written that short film? The short film's on the way. Um, My main problem is, is sticking to one project. I always end up writing about five, but, um, I'm currently adapting. I've entered a. I've entered a play of mine into a script uh, competition, and hopefully, it's going to get chosen for a festival. Nice. Um, that's a play I put on at drama school. I'm writing another play and writing this film, and I'm hoping the film happens first because that will help my career. Because I that footage is going to be so useful to show to casting directors the working screen. But are you um, casting
0: yourself it, in it? I'm guessing. Oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> um,
1: yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm producing the film I've got to be in it otherwise yeah. you know, of course but, oh, no. I don't worry. Like yeah it's about a young lad going on it's a road trip film between a young road trip dad films. and uh, his best mate but his best mate passed away and he's in an urn so it's him and an urn on a road trip film that's a great idea And he's it's the urn it's his best mate's bucket list and he's taking him to do it that's sick how did you come up with that um I was thinking about I was thinking about really cheap films that I could make and I thought, well, what if there's one actor? Oh, you're are you serious? That's okay. Well, okay. That well, is I, hilarious. I have, I have like dozens and dozens yeah. of ideas. Could, but they're just put, the budget, yeah, I know. But then you kind of go like, Well, what can I actually make? Mm. I've I, you know, even even films you'd think would be low budget the second there's a location that isn't public access the second there's more than three actors the second there's choreographed anything choreographed or any like live music it it gets really expensive so i thought this i also wanted to explore somewhere something on the spectrum of like platonic relationships kind of like platonic love especially for young men um Dude, I think it's so powerful when a young man says to another young man, "I love you," and that's all it is. There, there is, you know, I think there's something so powerful in that. And I wanted—I haven't always been an optimist. I by the way. I love now. you, man. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but I, I've not always been an optimist, and I, I definitely elected to be one now. Um Yeah. And so I want, in a film, show someone discovering the choice of optimism. I don't mm. think it, I think often people talk about it as if you have to be duped into it, you have to trick yourself and I disagree. I think it's uh, a philosophy that you can choose to empower you to like laugh at the, at the devil as he follows you where you go, do you know what I mean? You get to give him a cheeky wink and say, not this time, mate, or whatever. So th- this film is about um, the, the young guy who goes on the trip, is miserable and then this quest to take the urn with him drags him out of that and he realizes that you can make your own adventure of life it's amazing man it's i look forward fun. to watching it so do i <laughs> are you editing too? um hopefully not my, my plan <laughs> is i've got loads of friends in in film and all of us are kind of at the beginning of our career so I'm, i've been saving up money because i want to pay them I want to pay my friends to do it because I want it to be a professional credit and I'm a big believer in if you ask someone to do something for free you shouldn't expect more effort than what you're offering them because you know we're all we've all graduated school we're all trying to make a living and I don't know during covid our government told us to retrain and get different jobs to leave the arts that was a government policy and it's so a little yeah. oh mate yeah I mean there's not much good that comes out of the voices from that neck of the woods but um, but I, I just think that being able to pay my friends and tell them you are now my colleague you know that's like their kindness to me is the amazing skills and craft they're going to bring my kindness to them will be that I will show due appreciation how did you go in
0: school I'm curious
1: um I I hated school. I absolutely hated it. Um, so did I. I. Really, so did I. Yeah, I really struggled because everyone else was playing this like social game of kind of you had to be really careful not to piss off the wrong people and please this, and you couldn't wear those shoes and you couldn't do this, and and I I was just completely oblivious to this game being played. I just wanted to have mates and muck around and do the things i wanted to do and so i used to get in trouble with the teachers for talking a lot i never like missed but i never like stole anything or broke anything or was rude i would just, just get talking so
0: excited. yeah it's me yeah, yeah so
1: excited about like what i was talking about i'd get in trouble um and obviously then like there's certain i mean in the looking back there were some people at my school that needed help that could, didn't know how to ask for it and because of the way institutions in Britain are run there probably wasn't the resources to help them and, and so you were only, bullied or yeah yeah quite badly but did, did you let it affect you it definitely affected me um it made it made me yeah it was definitely very hard and it definitely changed the way um I socialized and it affected me a lot growing up, but looking back, I think even then I was aware in some way that the person being ugly to me, someone had put that ugliness in them, that no one was born with that to give. And so even through all the harshness that I was being dealt, you know, at worst I felt pity. Yeah. Um, and at best I felt empathy um, and my, my parents were great they were always there for me and, and albeit we, we didn't always know what to do about it um, they were great, a great support structure um, funnily <laughs> enough the day it all stopped was because they found out who my brother was and my brother is an ex Royal Marine cage fighter um, my goodness older brother yeah, yeah, yeah. He's I'm a guessing, half brother, twice yeah. my age. He's fifty something, uh, fifty three. Wow. And so one day at school, um, <laughs> someone nicked my mate's football, and I went to get it back because that was the right thing to do. I was a big believer in justice, still am. <laughs> uh, so I was like, "That's not football. Give it back." Not realizing that they were going to go, "What are you going to do about it?" And then I was going to go, uh, "Nothing. <laughs> I've asked. <laughs> that is the limit of my diplomacy." <laughs> Um, so then they they try and get uh, get a bit physical and then someone runs over with a phone and they go, wait, wait, wait. And like, the whole school's come around this play- the playground. And the, the guy's like two years older than me, way bigger than me. And he's been shown a phone. And he goes white. And then he, he goes, yeah, give him his ball back. We don't even want the ball. We don't even want the ball. And it all splits off. And I grabbed the guy with the phone who had never done me a solid before. Um, you know, And I said, what well, did you show him? And he showed me a picture and it was my brother in the cage with all his tattoos, blood running down his face. <laughs> <laughs> so I was like, yeah, that would scare the crap out of me too. Um, and, oh. it all kind of, and then he got me into martial arts, which is the moment I became confident. It really changed my life. Um, I go into jujitsu and changed everything. I've
0: always wanted to do jujitsu. I really and have.
1: It is the best Brazilian yeah. jujitsu, the best thing ever. Like find a a gym that's welcoming and then just get stuck in because it's incredible, really incredible. And you don't get punched in the face, which is great. It's
0: just, it's a lot of grappling on the floor work. Yeah.
1: Yeah, Grappling. And it's such a relationship with yourself because the adversity in jujitsu is how do I deal with discomfort? How do I deal with struggle? Because you can be very successful like i i would spar with people much better than me but because i had the willpower to i would go like i know i'm going to lose but i'm going to make it as hard for them as possible and these people would like hate rolling with this 15 year old kid that they were twice as big as twice as strong as because he just i just wouldn't stop and that was really empowering for me that i found my strength and my willpower and forged it in, in that. And then that has been so well applied to the rest of my life. And it gives me the, the courage to, again, it was the foundation of my confidence, which allowed me to act and to perform. So I've got
0: 13 questions here. The Dan's Baker's Dozen, they call it. Some silly, some some fun, some more serious. First question, mm. you're getting an ice cream, two scoops. What are the flavors? <laughs>
1: Easy, easy. I am getting Nutella for the base, and then I'm getting like a raspberry sorbet for the top.
0: Wow. So you like the rich yeah. flavors.
1: Oh, all about the rich flavors. Yeah. Well else am I, what I? mean, so never vanilla, just like your life. <laughs> the thing is, right, just like <laughs> my um, life the thing is with vanilla, it's so rarely a really good vanilla. I know, I know when they get vanilla right it's unreal and right. i don't mix I just have them anyway yeah yeah
0: night or morning person
1: i i have always been a night person and i really wish i was a morning person <laughs> really sounds, like I, sounds like me sounds like me
0: what what time of night are we talking
1: um if i oh, oh we're talking the next day do you know what i mean
0: we're talking late. Yeah.
1: Yeah. If I if I get into the flow of writing, or the sun's
0: working, coming up, sort of thing. Yeah.
1: yeah the, the birds are my like. They would send me. They they're like, you really need to go to bed. <laughs> I'm like, okay. It's not so bad anymore. But like, uh, for a long time, I was you know, writing into the night. Like, a, I guess is you you feel like an artist if if you're working till three a.m. Don't you?
0: You do. You do. If you were to create a fragrance, what smell would it be?
1: Oh, uh, it would be like motor oil. It would be something. It would be like a Mad Max themed. Oh, nice! Kind of the, the smell, the smell of like industrial war. Um, <laughs> I don't, I don't know why. I think, I, I think like a, a, a husky musk, um, something along those lines. You know,
0: that's fantastic. Have you ever got someone's autograph?
1: Um, someone's autograph. I've had I had one bought for me, I had a Bill Murray more, or, or, autograph bought for me because I was obsessed with his films when I was younger, so I got a Bill Murray autograph.
0: And this isn't part of it, but what's your favourite uh, Bill film?
1: The Aquatic Life of Steve's. Oh,
0: I knew you were going to say that. As yeah, soon yeah. As I oh. knew
1: it. Oh, it's a it's an underappreciated under film. Massively, massively, and for uh, for everyone in it. For um, Owen Wilson as well, I think he's great in it.
0: More people need to see it, for sure. What's a skill you'd like to learn but haven't?
1: Oh, my goodness. Um, I'm going to try and pick something that isn't music because I'll just list you an instrument. Trumpet. Uh, (laughs) I would really like to learn... I'd really like to learn to horse ride. I... Have always been scared of it because horses are massive, <laughs> and uh, I'm quite big, and I think they they like square up to me. But I'd love to learn to ride a horse because I I think it's so beautiful, and I think it's such a connection with our our, our past, and you know you, you know humanity kind of it's like humanity's first true liberation to being more than like irrigation and horse riding were the, the two big things that the planet was put on watch like humanity, which I don't think was necessarily a good thing. But um, I think it'd be a beautiful thing. I think it'd be a, a, something that would help me kind of like nomadically connect with that ancestral route. This is my one of my favourites of the 13.
0: If aliens visited Earth and you were selected from the world to greet them, what would you say to them, Ethan? Ethan.
1: Please. I would say... I would say to them, if you're on the run, it's just as bad here, but if if you've got something good to give, we've got open arms. (laughs) You're going to say it like that, are you? Yeah. In that tone? If you're off, take me with you. (laughs) Uh, Let me grab my cup there. Let me go. <laughs> um,
0: if you had to replace yourself with another actor in uh, as the the guardian, what actor are you choosing? So you were never in Baldur's Gate 3. Who is wow. the best replacement for you?
1: Wow. I would want it to be Don't say Bill Murray. <laughs> <laughs> Very different kind of guardian. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, like a, a, with pipe weeds, like Gandalf. Just <laughs> you can come with me, or you don't. You don't have to. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> with set, just playing around a golf everywhere he goes. Um, I'd want to pick someone young and up and coming because it's been an amazing opportunity for me, and I'd want to give that gift to someone else. You're too um, kind. Oh uh, well, I, I I sometimes just think. But the way the industry is at the moment, it's very paranoid of casting new talent because it's so worried that it'll just tank the show. And it, but it's kind of this like trap because it means well, everyone's just going to get old. There'll be no new talent, and it, it's. I find it really sad that they're no longer willing to take risks on casting. I think it'll cut. It'll go away a bit in. It's... It will once. It will once. Kind. There is kind of like an economic gloom at the moment. Yeah, and hopefully we can lift out of it, that would be when people can start taking risks again. Who would I cast? This I one can't... stumped you, hasn't it? It has stumped me because every time I think of someone, it's someone that's already got their flowers. Um, it can be a friend. I don't mind. I, w- I was going to say, I've got yeah. two answers. Yeah. I would, if it had to be someone in the public spotlight, I'd cast George McKay from 1917, from the Ned Kelly gang, from uh, Captain Fantastic. He's an amazing actor. He's got an incredible voice and I think he would sit into the role very well. But I would want to offer it to um, a friend of mine. um, I've got two friends that would be very good for it. My friend Caleb, my friend Caleb O'Brien, who has a real voice and would do very well uh, in in Borders Gate and in, in any of this world. So, um, if anyone hates me but wants someone like me, then call on Caleb. But if you like me, then then please hire me. <laughs>
0: <laughs> your most embarrassing moment of your life?
1: Oh my goodness! How long do you have? Um, Take whatever you want to reveal, please. There, there's been some. Oh, there's been some highlights. I've done a lot of stage, so there's been a, oh, there's a lot of material. Oh,
0: really? Give us one of those, yeah. please.
1: Oh, I love those God. stories. They're fantastic. Yeah. I've, had like, I've had scenes where I've forgotten a line and I've turned it into a rambling monologue as I try and find the line. And I just kind of talk around the play because I, I forget why I'm even in the scene. So I'm like, well, I'm here because I need to be. And I need to be here because. And I just oh kind of no, out. Perhaps oh, staring no. at me, like, want to kill me. I'm like, why aren't any of you saying anything? Uh, the, the they first should one save you from, there, don't you think?
0: They should. They
1: should. <laughs> You're here because of... of
0: are you here because of this? Yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, <sighs> I I think the the worst one, the one that genuinely pained me, was I was in a production of Spring Awakening when I was younger, which is this amazing rock musical. And it's about oh, nice. these young kids in a uh, turn of the 20th century... Prussia Germany and uh, one of them finds a book they're like just kind of they've just gone into puberty these characters and one of them finds a book which is kind of like sex education and they have he writes an essay and they all have like an awakening because of this essay and it's about how the town deals with it it's a mental show and the music's unreal now when I was younger I was not a singer and I had a, a teacher who was particularly quite cruel about singing and had told me you'll never be a singer that teacher then cast me as the lead in spring awakening <laughs> so i don't know i don't know what they thought they were doing whether it was like some sort of psychological curse they were laying on me so i'm in this role and singing this show and we had two weeks to learn it which is really short to turn jesus. around jesus yeah yeah that's the, half the time you'd want oh my god get to the show and i swear dan i promise you i was nailing it i was nailing it And every time I opened my mouth and a note came out, I was going, I don't know what's happening, but it's working. Now the last note in the show, the very last note is the highest. And I was really nervous for it, but I'd done the rest of the show. And um, my character, he's in a graveyard because the ghost of his friend has just sung to him and told him it's okay. (laughs) And it's the emotional climax. And he goes to sing this note. Mm -hmm. And... (laughs) I, I, missed, I missed the note now in my head I'm like the oh. note's high so I slid up through all the notes until I found it now this oh gets worse it's worse because I left stage and was then informed that the first note I sung was the right note oh. <laughs> I, had, I had sung the right note and then slid a whole octave to a full tempo. Which uh, I don't even I I, I can't even That's mortifying, through. isn't it? I don't know. Yeah, it, yeah, cause, yeah. Cause it, hold up to If That took like three seconds. Man. That's a long that's a long time for a note to be moving. Just through all of them. I must have sounded like someone had gone <laughs> taking taken the pitch shift and just gone and, and like that. It was horrible. Oh and then of I course I kinda wish I was
0: there actually.
1: Oh well don't worry, it's been videoed. <laughs> oh has it? that performance was recorded oh, because at the end of every year we did like a an awards night for kind of the best up-and-coming student the best newcomer that just joined the school blah 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 and the teacher got on stage and went we've got a new category this year and it was the most embarrassing moment or well, like the big well he said the biggest fuck up um, and then there were kind of all these clips played of other people like falling over on stage. We did Titus Andronicus, uh, which leaves the stage covered in blood, and everyone fell over during the battles. And, oh. our, and uh, in, in, in first place was even roll the clip. Oh, no. It was, uh, yeah, it was me. Can I you won. send
0: that to me, please? I'm begging you. Absolutely. I won't put it <laughs> out. <laughs> I just want to see it myself. Right.
1: I don't, I don't have it, um, oh, but yeah, it's out there. I'm sure that, that bloke still has it. that's so funny. Um, I remember going up to get the award and just kind of like the glazed over look of horror. Because of, oh. I didn't know it was recorded and then there it was, Immortalized Forever. You got to laugh, don't you? If you don't laugh, yeah, you cry. you cry. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. Favourite comedy film? Oh, favourite comedy film. It's got to be. I do like. I do really like kind of off the offbeat, weird stuff. I'm not a big fan of like the American improv comedy films, where the humor is is just in the the dialogue. I kind of enjoy when a, the film is funny. You know, like um, yes, yes, *Born of the Dead* and *Hot Fuzz*, where the actual filmmaking has the humor. You know what? My favorite comedy film is probably and off the top of my head, it's probably *The Death of Stalin*.
0: I don't think I've
1: seen that. Oh, mate! It's a it's a political farce set in Stalin's oh, cabinet. Wow! And it's unreal. It's unreal. It's just all these people that are like, "What do we do? I don't know. Should we should we just should we, should we kill them? Oh, that sounds fantastic. Probably probably kill them. Put them on the list. Why am I on the list? Uh, you're not on the list. <laughs> it's just all of this political farce. I'm, I'm curious. So- do
0: you like faulty towers? Do you find that funny? <laughs>
1: yeah i I, my agent whenever he puts me up for anything puts think think young john cleese
0: (laughs) um because
1: that's that's got to be
0: one of my favorites yeah john
1: cleese if we're talking tv shows then it's um well yeah i've
0: gone tv now yeah but
1: well then definitely it's either black adder or faulty towers black adder oh have you not seen black adder Oh, uh, Dan, if you like 40 Towers, Black Adder is Rowan Atkinson and Hugh Laurie and Stephen Fry. Oh, you only want to watch what? season two, three, and four. Uh, season one, they they went for it with Rowan Atkinson playing the fool like Mr. Bean. But then two, three, and four, he's the straight man and everyone else is the fool. And it is. I love.
0: Gone. Oh, yeah, I've got to watch that.
1: Uh, it, it's that's serious, fantastic. Seriously good. Yeah. Two, th- season two, three, and four. Um, are gold and season four is especially poignant it's it, oh, well, it holds it's really up good. yeah they all hold up but in season four season four is set in the trenches they're all set in a different time period and season four is in the trenches in world war one um and it's like a mix of it kind of takes on a new level of um humor because it becomes fast because one of them one of them plays the general whose solution to everything is just to go over the top <laughs> <laughs> it's right it is really good so yeah, definitely those two. Um, 40 Thank you, man. I also love yeah. that one. There's anything with Rick Mayo in it. Oh, yeah. Uh,
0: number 10, a thing you do every day that makes you happy.
1: I think I do it every day that makes me happy. Uh, music. I, I love music. Um, I only really release kind of like more band rock stuff, but I play, I try and play piano every day. And piano really feels like the instrument that I connect with on more than a sonic level. When I play the piano, it really kind of speaks to the part of me that I can't always talk to. Um, and I find it a really beautiful experience. So I sit at the piano every day.
0: What's the worst tasting food you've ever eaten? Ethan.
1: Oh, okay. I have, I have a bones pick. M- mint. It's mint. <laughs> what's up with it why why is it everywhere i i I, as a child never liked mint i i kind of it kind of was more than just the taste it kind of makes me feel a bit ill so they put it in toothpaste right and then they put it in gum which at school everyone is chewing so i was just haunted and still am by mint i brush my teeth with my nose pinched (laughs) it's horrific i don't i don't
0: agree with it i don't mind it in gum I don't agree with it on chocolate,
1: in chocolate. That's where I draw yeah. the line. you know, You're ruining something, right? Come on now. Yeah, come on. And I don't, yeah. I don't begrudge anyone else for liking mint because it is everywhere. So oh, I, no, reckon, I do. But mo- but mo- <laughs> I reckon most people have just been like, what do you call it? I reckon it's Stockholm Syndrome. I reckon yeah, people yeah. have to. Because you have been sold the idea that mint is fresh. And so if you want good breath, you need mint breath. A, that is so true. That is so. Yeah, true, Yeah, it, it's a false association. God, it that is. is so true. Yeah, it's like any marketing company. They go, "How do we sell? How do we sell something that pre- that preys on insecurity? Okay, my insecurity is bad breath. I need gum that needs to be mint. That's all it is. God, two you more. Have to- I'll give you a bonus
0: one. Who's your favorite Australian YouTuber that interviews actors in the best games in the world?
1: Dan Allen easy <laughs> 12 cats or dogs dogs I love dogs and I, I've got to say I do respect cats I respect cats because you have to treat them on their terms. you know yeah, what I mean yeah yeah you have to learn to negotiate someone else's boundaries I think that's a very healthy thing for someone to have to negotiate but um, if I'm spending like eight grand on this thing I, I do need unadulterated love and I've been told I have the same energy as a dog because when I used to come home, I had a dog for about two years. We had a rescue dog and she was very poorly. So we kind of took her in for the last years of her life. And when I came home, I was as excited to see her as she was me. We would we were obsessed with each other. And she it was the best thing that ever happened to me was getting that dog. So yeah. Don't make me cry, man. <laughs> it was a board <laughs> body. She oh, had two smart. Very smart. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Wicked smart. Wicked smart. She was so, I think they're so the
0: smart. smartest dogs in the world.
1: Yeah. yeah. She would she would if you sat down, she would lay on your feet and fall asleep because then she knew you were there while she was asleep.
0: She I got a go, I got a golden retriever. She um, oh. yeah she's the best. Last one, best life advice you've ever been given that's stuck with you.
1: I want to offer um a quote from uh, a, a philosopher and a lecturer called Alan Watts. It's quite a famous quote. Um, someone asked Alan Watts, or lots of people have asked him, what should I do with my life? I don't know what to do. And he said, um, what would you do if money was no object? And um, people would say, "Like oh, I'll be a painter, or I'd work with horses. And Alan said, well, then do that. Because the money won't give you back the time so do that so i want to live my life i'm not living it in denial of financial pressure but i want to live my life pursuing things that i would pursue if money was no object
0: well put man well put beautiful thanks for a great interview man i really appreciate your time
1: oh mate it has been a pleasure thank you so much for inviting me on and curating such a wonderful experience
0: Can you tell me, before I let you go, can you tell me what your time on Boulders Gate
1: means to you? Oh, mate. Any actor that goes to drama school, your greatest fear is leaving drama school and your life returning to as if you'd never been. And I was terrified, especially being my height, because unfortunately, so many jobs that I would be right for due to other qualities I have I get ruled out for because of my height and so I had this and as much as I tried to sit with that discomfort and negotiate it and confront it I couldn't have I couldn't escape the paranoia that I wasn't going to work because of my height and I came out of drama school and that was my experience. I got turned down from so much, or out. I was out of the room for so much because of, because of that. And then lo and behold, this audition came through, and it was for an unmarked game through a voice agent, which I had gotten because I thought, well, you can't tell me I'm too tall to be the voice in something, come on now. So I was already kind of like, like thinking like that. This audition came through, I went to the recall, and only in hindsight do I know what I was up against. They must have auditioned so many people, and at, there was a a Larian party that a few of us went to, and I was told, in you know, to paraphrase, "Well done, because you were up against people that would have been a much easier choice to to go with someone we knew that had already been in games, had already done work, blah blah blah." It meant it's meant the absolute world and it is the bedrock of my belief that i belong in this industry and i can do it because i auditioned and against and with the slim odds i got the role i did the role i chose to not listen to the voice of you've never done this before i chose to listen to this is who i am or what i want to do if they never release this game it's still been a pleasure to work with all these people and play this role they then released it, and it went on to do so well. I mean, like I grew up, I grew up watching the Angry Joe show, and it was Angry Joe's game of the year, and that that's unreal to me. I was in that game, um, and to hear, and then and then Elijah Wood and pl- Sean, plays the game, yeah, yeah, one Aston, crazy this. Game has gone on to be so big, and it's put me in contact with old friends. I had messages from people at, I was at primary school with when I was nine. Wow! That I used to play Orcs and Goblins on on, on the climbing frame with. And they messaged me being like, "Is this you?" It, it it has it's changed my life, and not not in the way that I thought it might. It's not led to a thousand open doors, but it has introduced me to so many wonderful people, and open so many opportunities that are kind of more enriching to my soul and my character. And that is something forever more valuable than, uh, you know, royalties that will forever pay for, do you know what I mean? Sack that. I'd rather have met the people I've met and become the more enriched person I've been. Mm -hmm. It's been incredible. And to see what it's meant to some people as well, the game has meant so much to some of the fans playing it and it has made so many people feel seen which is so tremendously important um mm. even the way larry negotiated the character customization and and the way the 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 characters kind of make feel make people feel represented such an important game um so it has meant the world really really has
0: yeah i think it might be the game of the generation it's that good it's uh, I- in 10 years, we'll be looking back going, God, that was a <laughs> that was a fantastic game. Uh, if I am
1: ever lucky enough to have children, I can't wait to put them onto it.
0: Yeah. Is there anything you quickly want to say to the fans that have tuned in today?
1: Thank you so much. Um, if you're one of the people that has left one of the uh, wholesome to thirsty comments, uh, thank you. <laughs> I see you. I see you. Give us um, more
0: thirsty in the comments on this one, please. I yeah, love it. Yeah, yeah, maybe.
1: We encourage it. You casting directors, you know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, but for real, uh, it, the, it has felt so surreal. And the thing that grounds me is the amazing messages I've had of people reaching out. Um, some of the people that have have met me off the back of it, my goodness, it's just been incredible. Uh, it's beyond my dreams to have been in something that has brought this much joy to people. So Beautiful. thank you. Keep enjoying the game. And um, trust the Guardian. Like, come on now. I'm hearing all this stuff online that he's not a great guy. I think he's a great guy. Just use those tadpoles, give into to the illicit powers, and we can rule the world together. So come on now. And to
0: round this one off, mate, can we get the Dream Visitor, the Guardian, to say something to Dan to finish this one off?
1: Yes, I can. Dan, it occurs to me that you haven't been using your platform to spread news of the Elithid uprising. This alarms me, Dan. I wonder if perhaps this cause is too much for you. Perhaps the tadpole in your brain isn't strong enough. I'm sure we can change that, Dan. or perhaps you should have been left at Moonrise Towers. Now, Dan, I don't want to make this a threat, but an invitation. Come with me, Dan. We can watch this world crumble together and rebuild it in our image. That's fantastic, man.
0: My <laughs> goodness me! Oh, he's, say...
1: oh my God, It's misunderstood.) <laughs> <laughs>
0: Thank you very much, Ethan. We really appreciate it.
1: Oh, mate, I'd love to come back anytime.
0: You will be back. Don't you worry.